we've been on a journey for the last two weeks, well, a lot longer than the last two weeks, but specifically the last two weeks of praying and fasting. And as we've engaged with that, it's been fantastic just to hear what people have been experiencing and, uh, and, and what God's been revealing. And so this morning is, is an extension of that. It's awesome that this morning is also our birthday. Um, that's a bonus. But, um, but there's some stuff to do before we get to that part. Because uh, part of our journey has been looking at this, this picture of Nehemiah. And, and, the, and the way God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, in that picture, there were three significant... Does anyone remember from two weeks ago, the three things... I used a car analogy, three things that, uh, that you need to, to make a car into a race car. Power, efficiency, control. Very good. Someone was listening. So power, efficiency, and control. They're just three very generic ways of, uh, of looking at the same three things that Jesus did at the start of his ministry, the same three things that Nehemiah did when, uh, when he kicked off. They look a little different in spiritual terms than in a car, um, but they're the same three things. The idea of being repentant, letting go of things that are holding us back, letting go of things that aren't part of what God wants us to be journeying, things that are dragging us down. The idea of having control, having direction, having a, a, a way that you're going. And, and that's, that's a lot of where, where the prayer and fasting that, that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, Nehemiah spent some time praying and fasting. And then there's the aspect of power. The idea that in our, in our journeys, we're not called to do this alone. The thing is, we all want the power, but we don't necessarily like the other two. Unfortunately, all roads lead to the cross. Everything leads to the cross. And part of leading to the cross is letting stuff go. You can't pick, pick up what God wants you to pick up without letting go. And, and so this morning, we're actually going to start with letting go. And uh, I just want to read. I've never heard a message preached on this before. It's not the most um, encouraging passage. It's from uh, Hebrews 12. We, we have little bits of it that you'll find familiar. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of, of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us, that trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his own father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, 
Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God, God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new, new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It's a funny picture, isn't it? And it's been fascinating when, when people talk about this Sunday. They, uh, they latch onto the birthday part of it and they, they're not as keen to latch onto the end of a season of prayer and fasting. And it's a little hard for us to embrace that with two arms. You don't always want to do that. And it says, who, who likes it? Who likes going through that season of discipline? But we've recognized that as we journey, we want to journey light. And we all carry stuff. We all carry baggage. And if we're going to be building a wall, if we're going to be rebuilding, if we're going to be doing things the way God wants us to do it, we can't be carrying our own things and his things at the same time. And we've got to realize that that's, that's as God reveals it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we, we dig up old things from the past and, and remember them. If they've been laid down and they're not, they're not there anymore, that's great. That's awesome. Praise God. But everything, everything that holds us back, our sin, our disappointments, our frustrations, our struggles... All those things are what the cross was about. Because I mentioned um, in my notes, was it yesterday? It's all becoming a bit of a blur. That it is finished. It's done. We don't have to hold on and be guilty. We don't have to work hard at, at, at convincing God that we're worthy of what he's offered. He's given it. It's done. And so this morning is about the cross. It's about going, whatever God has asked you to lay down, whatever God has said, you don't need to be carrying that anymore. You don't need to be worried about that anymore. You don't need to be focused on that anymore. We want to lay it down. And that's, that's the start. It's not the end, but it is the start. Because you can't pick something up unless your hands are free to pick it up. And so this morning, we want to have a bit of an opportunity to do that. And I think we need to do it as a church too. Because We've had an amazing five years as a church. It's been awesome. We've seen God move. We've seen amazing things. But we're not a perfect church. And there's things as a church that we need to let go of, that we need to say we haven't done the best. We're not perfect. And we want to say to God, we don't want to carry that. We won't want that to be stuff that we're holding on to as a church. And as we've been praying and fasting, there's, there's four areas that I want to say I want to say that we are repentant of and that we want to move on. It's not about individuals. It's not about, we're a body. And if as a body, there's some things that we haven't done well, then as a body, we own that. And if this is your first week at Catalyst, it's not always like this. <laughs> but I want you to also know that you can be part of this too, in that it's, it's something that you can stand with other believers and go, I want to acknowledge that you're letting go of that. I want to be part of that too. So it doesn't have to be something you go, well, that's something that I wasn't around for, so, 
so it's not my thing. It's, it's about being together as a body and saying, as a body, we're moving forwards and want to let go of some of the things that have been holding us back. But I also don't want to get, give the impression, if this is your first week, that this is reflective of the last five years. <laughs> um, God's done awesome things, and we have been extremely blessed. But it is about letting these things go so that we can move on. So the first of these things is broken relationships. In this space, there's been people that have been hurt. There's been people that have been wounded. There's been people that have lost trust between each other. We've had leaders that have been burnt out in ministry. We have not always loved well. There's people that we've, we've not loved as much as we could have. And there's a number of people that have moved on from this family and we haven't had an opportunity to say goodbye. And there's a sense of brokenness in that. Someone said, you, that's, that's bizarre, you don't do that as a family, but you do that when things aren't healthy. And so I want to acknowledge and repent. And repentance is about turning, turning away, changing direction. So, so to say, we have had broken relationships, but we want to turn away from that. We don't want that to be what we're known for. We don't want that to be who we are. And so I just want to acknowledge that and repent of that as a church. The second thing is pride. This church was birthed with a beautiful, beautiful vision. It was a vision of capturing God's heart and reflecting that. But in amongst that, guess what? There were people. And a lot of those people came out of churches in this area and, and around that were pretty fed up with their existing churches. They were disgruntled and they were frustrated. And sadly, in amongst that, the idea that this church was going to be better was, was part of us. And... Um, and we, we talked a lot about kingdom, but in some ways, we, um, we didn't value the kingdom that was the broader church in this area. And it was never the heart, it was never the agenda, it was never what we did, uh, what, we, what we talked about. But in amongst it, we got proud. We got a little arrogant about who we were. Sometimes, we got worried about what people might think, and maybe we didn't do what God asked us to do. Sometimes, for the sake of our image, we've not always been God, good at acknowledging our mistakes. And that all just comes out of our pride. So, I want to lay that down. Sometimes we've had a small kingdom perspective. We've not always been great at having an impact in this area, in this, in this region. There's been ministries that, that we've started and not carried through. There's been ideas that we've had that we haven't actually got off the ground. There's been things that we've felt like we've been called to, to minister to this community that we haven't done that well at. And again, there's been awesome things as well. I don't want to paint this picture as the last five years, but there's things that, we've, that we, haven't, we haven't owned. And the last one is we haven't always trusted God. At times he's said things and we haven't responded. There's been so many times that someone has come up to me after a service and said, oh, I felt God was saying this, but I didn't share it. And I know there's a, there's a bunch of you know, self-conscious and stuff and, and there's a number of issues there. I don't want to judge anybody for that. But it's a reflection, I think, of our brokenness and our need for God is that there's been times where we've heard and we haven't responded. 
And so these are four things that as a church, I want us to go, this is not our DNA. This is not our God. And, and these are four things that would be great for us to, to just as a declaration say, yep, this is not who we are. This doesn't represent us as a church and we want to lay these things down. But as you've been journeying, there may be other things that you want to lay down. You can see there's at the two sides, there's two pots of, uh, of rocks. And they're just to kind of represent a bit of weight that we're carrying that we don't need to carry. They're not really that useful for, for building a wall. They're not really good shapes. And they might look little and not that heavy, but put, him, put it in the bottom of your shoe and see how you go for a while. <laughs> they, they'll stop you from running pretty quickly, I think. And they're just a symbol. They're just a symbol of, of the stuff that we carry, the stuff that, that we, we carry that God doesn't want us to carry. See, there's victory at the cross. It's done. It's finished. We don't have to carry this stuff. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is where it starts. And so I'd really encourage you. There's also some, uh, some papers and some pens. And if you want to write something down that you want to lay down, feel free to write it and throw it in there and we'll, we'll burn it. If there's a pyromaniac amongst us, you're welcome to burn that. <laughs> Or two. I, um, I'd also encourage you if you have something that you'd like to share, to chat to one of the navigators, or chat to me. Um, if there's something that you've uh, you've got that you really you know you feel like you want to share with the church, but just grab a rock, grab two rocks, grab three rocks, and just just spend a little bit of time about what you want to lay down. Maybe you want to um, want to be part of laying down these things. Maybe you have something on your heart that God's laid on your heart that you want to lay down to. And the, uh, the worship team is just going to ha have a couple of songs. As I said, this is definitely not the end. This is the beginning. But we want to, uh, want to do this right. We don't want to rush to the, 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 the stuff that we love and miss out on having a foundation that's built right. Because this is where the foundation's built. And if this is not the foundation, then we're building something that's a waste of time. And it's not going to stand anyway. So let's, let's get rid of the things that are, uh, that are holding us back and start just reflecting on that and come and engage with it as, as you want. But yeah, I just really encourage you to spend a bit of time praying and thinking about how you'd like to respond. The Lord says that there is no condemnation now. There is no condemnation because of the cross, because of the blood spilled because of that sacrifice of Jesus. This is an amazingly special place. And Lord, we are so, so grateful that you never asked us to carry the baggage and that you shine the light on it so that we can let go of it. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so thankful. that you provided a way that we can have abundant life, that we can be people who truly know what freedom is. Yes. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you and we glorify you for the cross. Yes. Lord, we are humbled. We are blown away but we are so, so grateful.
We worship you, Lord. God is not a vindictive God. It's amazing that he takes broken stuff and makes it beautiful. He's not out for revenge. He's out to see the best in us. He's out to know us. He's out to experience us and let us see what it was that he was thinking when he created each of us. And to see that we have purpose and beauty and significance. When we lay down our rocks, just symbolically, he replaces them with flowers. Beautiful things of life. Amazing representations of his creativity. He's got style. And I'm not talking about flowers, I'm talking about you. He knew what he was doing when he created you. When he planted that seed, he went, this is the beautiful thing that I was designing and I was creating. And he's doing everything to get us back there. He doesn't want our effort. He wants us to pick it up. He wants us to see it. He wants us to claim it because it is truth. Sometimes our eyes and our ears deceive us. They lie. We see things and we hear things and we let them soak into our minds and we say, well, that must be real because I saw it, I heard it. And Jesus is saying today, this is real. This is the purposes that I had for you, the plans I had for you. Pick it up, hold on to it, experience it, know it, trust it, trust it. You can trust it. We were designed for a purpose. We are designed by a creative, very, very capable God. And in this last two weeks, it's been awesome to hear what people have been sharing about what God's been telling them and reminding them. It's amazing because it's not amazing at all, really. He's saying the same things. He's not confused. He's saying, I've given you purpose. It's saying, yes, there is hardship. Yes, there are challenges. But press on, persevere. A number of people have had pictures of mountains and, and the thought that, from our perspective, we look like we're just climbing a big mountain. But God keeps telling people that, that, that you're, you're near the top. Don't feel like this is the journey that you have to endure forever. That there's amazing vistas and things to be experienced. People are being reminded that he's a God worthy of trusting. As a church, he's talking to us too. And I've had a little bit of a, a wrestle with God. I keep saying, asking him, God, give me vision. People want an answer. They want to know what the answer to our vision is. 
And for the first four or five times I asked him, he ignored me. He didn't ignore me. He heard me loud and clear. But then he said, you know what my vision is. Why are you asking that question? It's the wrong question to be asking. I was like, what do you mean? He says, haven't I given you a vision? He says, just because you go up and down, you change your level of commitment to me, you, you, you know, dress different clothes, different days, and might even change jobs or do different things. I don't change. I've given you a vision. I've given you a purpose. You know the answer to that question already. I've called you to be a revolution of love. I've asked you to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. I've said to be a kingdom catalyst, to bring change to this community. None of those things have changed unless you think you're finished. If you think you're finished, then that's okay. But if you haven't finished what I've called you to do, then you know what the vision is. I said, God, how do we do that? He said, that's a much better question. God is still calling us to the same thing that he called us to five years ago. It hasn't changed. When your heart skipped a beat at what what God was doing in Catalyst, that is still his heart today. That hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. He still wants to transform people's lives in this community. He still wants to bring a revolution of love to those around us. For us to express that to each other as well as those in this community. Sometimes I worry I'm after a a Happy Meal church. You go to McDonald's, you go through the drive-thru, you get a little box, you eat your food and you move on. You pick and choose what you like. And God's saying, I've chosen, I've declared, I've decided what I want my church to be. It's not Matt's church, it's not Tanya's church, it's, it's none of our churches, it's his church. And he said, I've given it purpose. I've given it an agenda and I will fulfill it. Because I have made you beautiful. Because I have given you purpose and I don't have things that I remember from your past that I hold over you. I don't see you that way. I see you as people of purpose and potential and power because that is how I designed it to be. That was my plan. just want to read from 1 Peter 2. Um, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Then jumping down to verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Amen. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That was part of that verse was the foundation of Cornerstone Church. 
Um, and I apologize in advance if I cry. I always cry when I share. And that's just the way of, I guess, Holy, the Holy Spirit convicting and just moving in my heart. But I know that's been a season of letting go for a number of us for the vision that God had given Cornerstone Church. But I think that that, that same vision is, is part of Catalyst as well. And that, that needs to be Catalyst Church vision. God's saying that he's placed every single person here in Catalyst Church for a reason. Stones aren't meant to be put built into a building and then taken away because then the, the foundation, the, the house will just fall down. So that's the first part of the word that God had given me this week and actually over the last two weeks um, is that everyone here has been placed in Catalyst Church for a reason. So I just want to assure, I just want to remind you that if, if you're struggling with the purpose and your place in Catalyst Church, I want to remind you this morning that you are here for a purpose even if you don't see it. God is saying you are precious, you are valued, and he's called you to this church, not just to be ministered to, but to minister to other people, even if you don't know it. And the other part of what God was showing me, um, it's come up about five times in the last 10 days since we've been spending a bit of time praying and fasting as a church. Um, and what I was saying, God, is this for me? Is this, is this for me? And I wasn't getting anywhere, but um, yesterday a few of us went to a um, the Safe Churches workshop that was incredibly riveting, boring and dry <laughs> for a lot of the time. Um, but at the start, the different tables were given different portions of Scripture to share, and we got the portion of Scripture that had come about five times throughout the last week for me. So I went, right, okay, and Obviously, there was, there was our catalyst table, so I went, all right, this is obviously a word for the church. It's not rocket science. You guys have all heard it before. I just want to read the parable of the Good Samaritan. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But um, the lawyer said, desiring to justify himself, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Sorry. Now by chance, a priest who was going down that road and when he saw him passed on the other side, So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you may spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers, he said, um, to the one who showed him mercy? And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And, yeah, I really, I really feel like that's what, that's what God's calling us to do as a church. It's a simple command to love our neighbour. Uh, perhaps, as Matt shared before, that we, we failed in, part, in the past to love our community, um, to love people in this region as a church and step out on a united front. But I really feel like God this morning is saying, Catalyst Church, 
as I'm building you up individually as stones into the house. It's not just for your benefit. It's for the benefit of the community. And he's asking us to stand strong individually in our place in the church. And he's asking us then to, to unite and to go out into the community where he's calling us. There's going to be a number of different ministries in this next season of Catalyst Church. Don't feel like you have to have your hand in a whole lot of different pies. I want to encourage you this morning, press into where God is calling you to serve the community through the ministries of Catalyst Church because he is going to do amazing things in this next season if we can stand up together in unity. Jesus said it's by our unity, it's by our love for one another that the world will know that he is God. Yeah, so that's, that's what I wanted to share this morning. I felt God had laid on my heart. No phone apart. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. My message is going to sound really boring now because you've just said it all. That's good. And this is what's really excited me over this last two weeks because God is saying the same things over and over and over again. He does not want us to be confused. One of the things I think he's telling us is a little less conversation a little bit more action, please, as Elvis would have said. There, there sometimes is a gap between what we say, what we preach, what we plan, what we pray, and what we do. There's, there's a gap there. And there always is a gap there. That's not something to be ashamed of. But I think he's saying, let's narrow that gap. As a, as a body, when we, when we hear what he's saying, let's go, okay, let's embrace that. Let's run with that. Let's do that. You know, in the last five years, we have had some absolutely amazing preaching. Not singling you out, Mark. We have had some phenomenal preaching. If we actually did everything that was preached in this place, we'd be amazing. (laughs) And that's not a criticism. That's an encouragement. That's to go, we've got the stuff. We've got the, the material. We've got the the instructions, we've just got to narrow the gap between what we say and what we actually do. God uses imperfect people. Have a look around you. He uses incomplete, unfinished, unrefined people for ministry, not perfect ones. There's only one that's been perfect. Everybody else is a work in progress. So if we're waiting for us to have our act together before we can minister and serve, let's go home. Because there's not going to be any fruit in this place. And God's saying, I actually want you to serve and to minister and to use what I've given you to be the flower that I designed you to be, even though you don't think you've got it together. Even though you don't think you have everything together. Because what he's actually asking us is what is in your hand? He asked Moses this same question. This guy that was in the back blocks of Egypt herding sheep. What's in your hand, Moses? Just a staff. And I don't even talk real good. And he used his staff to part the sea, to get water to come out of rocks, to turn into a snake. He used what was in Moses' hand, a guy that did not have it together. He said to David, 
What's in your hand? Just some rocks and a slingshot. Play a couple of instruments. And he used those things to turn him into a mighty warrior that transformed a nation. Elisha was talking to a widow who had what she thought was nothing. He said, what do you got on your shelves? A little bit of olive oil, a bit of flour, that's about it. She starts pouring the olive oil into jars. She got enough for her, her and her son and enough to sell as well. Abundance. Just from the question of what's in your hand. Jesus even said to a little kid, what do you got there? Five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And Jesus went, that's enough. Let's feed 5,000. You see, when we look at things, we look at what's in our hand and go, doesn't look like much to me. But we're looking at the wrong half of the picture. When we look at the person who's asking that question, it's almost insignificant what's in our hand because of what he's capable of doing with anybody and anything. And if he's capable of doing that with those guys, he's asking you today, what's in your hand? What have you got? It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be all together. But what have you got in your hand? Because that's what he wants. He'll use that and he'll do amazing things through that that you won't even imagine because he is capable, not because you've got it together. Because he is trustworthy, not because what's in your hand is amazing. But he wants to know, what do you got in your hand? Shifting our focus from inward to outward. From self-focused to other-focused. From receiving to giving. And it's not that we don't do this as individuals and as families. There's some amazingly generous people here. There's lots of amazingly generous people here that sacrifice a lot. Sometimes we just don't do it very well as a family, as a body. Sometimes we can get caught up as a body with us and we forget to look out and go, wow, there's a world out there that needs us. There's people that need to know our love, that need to know the freedom that we've got. And God's saying, it's time to look out. Look over the horizon. What's there? I think there's two things that he's uh, asking us to focus on, to get better at. He's asking us to get better at communication, to grow, to improve. Get better sounds like it's a bad thing. Strengthen our communication and to build a culture. Now, communication, you kind of think of, you know, newspapers and emails and that sort of thing. Communication is much more significant because it's our communication with God. It's our communication with each other. It's our communication with other churches in the area and our community. There's a lot that comes under communication. I want to raise up the prophetic voice of the church. I want to hear what God's saying. I want to um, uh, know that and trust that and walk in that. That's part of communication. I want to have relationships with people here and know that people here talk and communicate and have healthy relationships. If things are busted, 
We work on it. We talk about it. If we don't understand, we communicate. We don't bottle things up and operate as islands, but we communicate as a community, as a, as a group of people that love each other. We want to have a culture of bold faith, trusting God, not trusting our circumstances, but trusting Him. We want to have intentional discipleship, a culture that wants to sow into people, that continues, whether it's structured or unstructured. We want to expect the miraculous to see God intervene in both the small things and the big things. We want to hear God speak and we want to listen. I want a culture that's attractive, not because it's polished or perfect, but because it's real. It's not fake. It's not imitation. And there's no magic wand to make that happen. It takes time. It takes grace. But it's where God's taking us. And this is what you can hold your leadership and your brothers and sisters here to, to account. If we want to be a revolution of love, then we've got, to, we've got to challenge that. And if we are settled with whatever culture we had yesterday, then we're not going to change. And if we settle with however communication was yesterday, then we're not going to get better and grow. And there's a bunch of things that I'd like to put into place. We've kind of started the ball rolling I've, uh, I'm guessing no one's looked at the website today. There's a new website um, that, um, that's just, it's just a beginning, but the idea is that it's easier to maintain, it's easier to communicate. It's easier for us to, to tell people what's happening in the life of the church, to, to tell the community what's happening in the life of the church. I've got Chris Gretsch to give me a hand working on a, a refresh of the logo to work on the way we communicate to our community and how we're perceived. We want to have an impact in our community. We want to make a difference. You know, there's a passage that we've probably all heard many, many times. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. From 1 Timothy, uh, 2, 2 Timothy 1.7. But sometimes I think we stop there. And it's like laying down the rocks but not picking anything up. Laying down the rocks was not the purpose of it. Not having fear is a nice start, but that's not the purpose of it. He tells us what the purpose is. He has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what the Holy Spirit offers. So what we've got to ask ourselves today is, how do you feel about those three things? How do you feel about those three things in your life? Because that's what the Spirit's offering us today. And if we're going to move forward as a church and, and have, have uh, growth, have walls that are purpose, that are strong, then we need that. If we're going to communicate better with those around us, connect with our community, if we're going to create a culture that is a revolution of love, then this is where it starts. Because we can work really hard. But when God's provided these things, that's where it comes from. That's the foundations that we base anything that we build on.
I think it's an exciting time ahead. I'm really excited about where God's taking us. I think I look at the flowers and I go, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's what I want to be. I want to be a place of purpose. So if you're struggling with any of those three things, I'd really love to pray with you this morning. If any of those three things look daunting to you, really love to pray for you. If you're not sure whether you know that the Spirit has given you those things, love to pray for the Holy Spirit just to invade your life and to give you everything that God's promised. Because you weren't called to do this out of your effort. God has provided. He provided the cross and he provided his Spirit to equip us and enable us and empower us to do what he's called us to. So we're going to move into to a time of worship and I just really encourage you in that just to worship, to thank God for what he's doing. But also to ask yourself, am I, am I, am I looking at this? Is, does this look hard? Do I feel powerless? Do I feel like my love's run out? Do I struggle to keep focus, keep on track? Self-discipline. Because God's got the answer for that. God's got the answer. He's provided it. So I'd really encourage you just to, to come and just pray. And God will provide. He's faithful. He's always faithful. So if you want to stand up, if you can stand up, legs haven't gone to sleep. To reinforce what I've been saying, Bron just was just going to share a little bit more. So thanks, Bron. Um, just an absolutely amazing message today, Matt. And we just want to praise God for Matt and um, for this time that we've had as a church. And I, just a fabulous verse that you brought out in Timothy um, about, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity and a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. But so often we stop there and... Matt's, you know, encouraging us about the revolution of love and going out. But that continues that passage. It goes on, so. Now, that's a joining word. So it doesn't actually finish it, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, power and self-love and self-discipline. Often we put that as just for ourselves. But it says, so. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but... But the joining words are just so important. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So exactly what Matt's been saying, we don't have a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline so that we are not ashamed, so that we are going out into our community, so that we are joining with Paul, with, with each other, by the power of God to testify about our Lord mm. and what he's doing in our lives and in our lives as a church. Amen. So I just want to encourage you. you, Matt, and I appreciate what you're saying. And, cool. But we're, it's so it's that good. we're going out. It's good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Church, I just wanted to share something that God was showing me this morning when we were praying.
um, it started off and he showed me these beautiful multicolored golden threads and they were dancing around and each thread was one of us in Catalyst and they were bright and they were golden and they were all so very different but so very, very special, so gifted. And then these threads, they started weaving together and they became woven into this amazing, beautiful, multicoloured mat. And then Jesus came and he was stepping onto this mat and he embraced it and he wrapped it around himself. And it was really just affirming what Sam was saying, be my hands and feet, be where I cannot be, be out in the community, be that presence. And I think what God was really trying to share with me, to, to share with everyone, is that these threads were uniting together to do something absolutely amazing. Individually, they were so beautiful and so gifted. But when they unite and they come together, they are just so powerful. And, and Matt was talking today about don't feel that you need to be perfect to be able to do things for God. And I want to confess, church, that there's been many times that God has shown me things and told me things to share with the church and for different reasons, feeling like, why would God tell this to me? What, who am I to tell you? Who am I to share this? And at times it has been fear until recently. And so I want to confess to you all that God has given all of us these amazing gifts and I encourage everybody to look inside. And if you're not sure, pray and ask God, show you those amazing gifts. Because I can see it when I look out. I see how amazing you all are. So please know how special and how, how mighty you are in God's eyes. See yourself as God sees you. And let's come together. Let's be woven in God's love. And let's, let's be Jesus' hands and feet. Just in what Melissa was saying then, um, last night Cheryl and myself were sitting with a friend of um, ours at the dinner table and she was showing us pictures at her church how they had the wool and were throwing it, uh, praying and throwing it around the church holding before they threw the piece of, of wool and it wove around into a web around that church. So, yeah, just what you were saying really... Touch me, yeah, the threads around the church. Lord God, you are so good. Lord God, you continually remind us through through others, through your word, through the times that we spend with you, that you have not only the power and authority but you lavish on your children, that you have purpose, that you have plans. And Lord God, we are excited and we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your provision. Lord, we want to celebrate your victory. We're all standing around here, Lord, with a cross in the middle because the cross is in the middle. Lord God, Everything, everything of significance leads to the cross. Because you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Lord God, we want to claim that today. 
We want to claim that for this community, Lord God. We want to claim that for our workplaces, for our schools, for our households, for our shopping centres. We want them to be places, Lord God, where you are glorified, where you are lifted up, and your plans and purposes of goodness, of freedom, of redemption, of knowing you are experienced. So, Lord God, we just say, have your way. Have your church. Build your church. Equip your church. Empower your church. Fill your church with love. Lord, that we might be a revolution that you've called us to be. We love you, Lord. And we love your church. And we love your plans and purposes. And we give them all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.